Good morning, church. We are continuing our series through the Gospel of Mark, where we've been for quite some time now. And today we come to Mark chapter 8, and we're calling the message today, Compassion Matters. Compassion Matters. Writer Al Hugh tells the following story. He says, one summer in my teens, my parents sent me to Christian camp in the woods. And one day we had a canoe race. He says, my team was in a canoe with two paddles, but another canoe was only given one paddle. And another canoe didn't get any paddles. They had to use their hands. And then another group didn't even have a canoe. They had an old leaky rowboat. He says, the race started and my canoe zipped across the lake, racing smoothly. And I looked back and noticed that the other teams were behind, far behind. The folks in the rowboat had found a tree branch and they were trying to use that as an oar to pull themselves along. Another canoe, they were splashing with their hands. But my canoe, we easily won the race and my team sat and watched for the next groups to come in to the shore. And he says, afterwards, we had a, a group time of, to debrief, and he said, my team was very happy that we had won. Some of the other teams laughed about the accommodations that they had to, made to try to compete, and some of the teams were frustrated and even mad at the whole exercise. The counselors asked the winning team, the team I was on, why didn't you go back and help the others? I didn't get it. I said, I thought we weren't supposed to. We were given two paddles, and so we used them, and we won the race. I figured there was a reason that the others had disadvantages, and they were supposed to figure out what to do. So Mr. Hughes says, it was then that our counselors began to introduce to us the difference between having a spirit of competition that focuses on winning or personal triumph or being right versus a spirit of compassion, meeting the needs of others. Well, I like that story when I came across it. You know, it occurs to me that one of the, the toughest questions in life is when we ask this idea of why is there so much evil and why the problem of evil and why a good and a powerful God would seemingly allow some people to suffer or go through hardships in life while others just seem to easily glide through like a canoe with two paddles. Well, I came across this cartoon. It maybe can help us understand this a little bit better. These are, I think, two turtles. And one turtle says, sometime I'd like to ask God why he allows poverty and famine and injustice when he could do something about it. And his friend says, what's stopping you? And he says, I'm afraid God might ask me the same question. Oh, my goodness. Well... Here's the point. God has done something to alleviate suffering in this world. He sent Jesus into our pain, who then sent us to be his hands and feet in this world that is full of pain. See, that's the power of the cross. For those of us who live in dependence upon Christ, he is in the process of replacing our sinful and our selfish and our self-centered hearts with his heart, a heart of compassion, because compassion matters. 
But have you ever thought about this? What does that compassion look like? What kind of compassion specifically is Jesus working to build in my heart, in your heart? What is it that he wants to produce? Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 8, where Jesus demonstrates his heart of compassion while he was here on this earth, beginning in verse 1 of Mark chapter 8. Mark says, in those days when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they've been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And so Jesus sees that the people are hungry. He sees their need, and that is where real compassion begins. It begins when we see the need. Real compassion looks beyond the faults of people to see the pain beneath it all, to see the hunger in people's hearts. I read a story about some research done at, at one seminary, and it were a group of theology students were told that they were to go to the neighboring university campus to deliver a sermon on the topic of the Good Samaritan. And as part of the research, some of these students were told that they were late and they needed to hurry up. And so along the route to the campus, their instructors hired an actor to play the role of a victim who was coughing and suffering greatly. 90% of the late students from the seminary ignored the needs of this suffering person in their hurry to get across campus. Indeed, the study reports, on several occasions, a seminary student going to give his talk on the parable of the Good Samaritan literally stepped over a victim as they hurried by. You know, folks, sometimes we are in such a hurry that we don't even see the needs around us. And that can happen when we're familiar with the theology, even when we know the stories in the Bible backwards and forwards, even when we think we're compassionate. We can get so caught up in our own agenda, paddling our canoe to win, that we don't see the need. Sometimes the need that God places right before us. Sometimes it makes me wonder, what needs am I overlooking? You know, we complain about what's going on in our world, the lack of discipline in our schools, the overwhelming problems of homelessness in our community. But how often, how often do we actually stop to see the hurt and the hunger in these people's hearts because of what they have to deal with. There is a multitude of great need all around us. Do we see it? Or do we just go about doing church, paddling our canoe, hoping that nobody with any real need gets in our way? You see, Jesus, he saw the need of the crowd. He didn't criticize their poor planning because they didn't bring any food with them. He didn't shake his finger at them in judgment at their lack of discernment. He didn't worry that he might enable them by providing free food with no strings attached. Instead, he said, 
I have compassion on the crowd. They don't have anything to eat. I don't know about you, but I need a lot of help in this area. Jesus, help me to see what you see. Help me to see the need all around me. You know, that's a prayer that we all can pray, maybe even on a daily basis, because that's what real compassion is all about. And that's the kind of heart that Jesus is working and desiring to produce in our life as we learn more and more to depend on him. And so don't be, don't be afraid to allow him to touch your heart. Trust him and let him help you to see the needs. Compassion matters, and it begins when we see the need. But real compassion starts to take shape when beyond the seeing, we feel the need. We feel the need. We can't just stop with seeing the need. We have to sympathize with those in need, and we need to sense their pain. That's what Jesus did here in our text. In verse 2, Jesus says, I have compassion on these people. Literally, that, that word means I feel moved in my bowels. I feel it in my gut. If you read the old King James Version, if you're familiar with that, it talks about bowels of mercy, bowels of compassion. That's where that word comes from. People in Bible days considered the bowels, the intestines, this area in here, the seat of the more intense emotions. And so Jesus' compassion, it's no passing passion. It's no fleeting feeling. Jesus felt the need that these people had. And he felt it intensely. And you know what? They weren't even his kind of people. If you remember from last week, we talked about how Jesus had gone back to this area called the Decapolis, this area of the Gentiles. He was in the region of people that were pagan. They were godless. They were worshiping all kinds of gods other than Jehovah God. The Jews called these people the Gentile dogs. That's who these people were, that Jesus had great compassion for. He had deep feelings for the needs of these people. He felt their pain in his gut, and he wants us to do the same. He wants us to feel for the needs of others, even if they're not a part of our group, if they're not our kind of people. Just very recently, I watched a documentary about Hurricane Katrina. You remember that terrible storm back in 2005. It devastated the Gulf Coast of the U.S. More than 1,800 people died. The economic damage was huge, somewhere over $125 billion of damage. Well, several days into the devastation, as I was watching this documentary, it just hit me about this encounter. There was a regional director of FEMA there, right on the scene, and he sent an email to the, his head, the boss of FEMA. And he wrote, sir, I know that you know the situation is past critical. Here are some things you might not know. Hotels are kicking people out. Thousands gathering in the streets with no food or water. Hundreds still being rescued from homes. There are dying patients in the disaster medical tents. Estimates are many will die within hours. 
Evacuation in process. Plans developing for dome uh, evacuation, but hotel situation adding to the problem. Out of food, running out of water. Need to address these critical needs. Then he says, FEMA staff is okay holding our own. Medical staff in deplorable conditions. Phone connectivity impossible. And he ended it with, please help. The FEMA director from Washington sent this email in reply. Thanks for the update. Anything I need to tweak? That's it. That's all he said. No wonder the president ended up firing him. His insensitivity to the real needs of real people in real time were not there at all. And you know, sometimes we can be just as insensitive. When Jesus saw the crowds, Matthew, in his account of this, uh, of this situation, listen to what Matthew said. Jesus had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And we say, thanks for the update. Anything specific I need to tweak? You see, the workers that Jesus wants his disciples to pray for, they are to do more than just share scripture verses or hand off obligatory nice words. We are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the harassed and to the helpless. How the heart of God must break when his people model insensitivity to the needs of the harassed and the helpless all about them. But you know what? We can ask Jesus to help us. Isn't that what he says here? Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Because the harvest is plentiful. And what is that plentiful harvest? The plentiful harvest is people in need. Helpless. Hurting. Like sheep without a shepherd. There's plenty of need, but not very many workers. And what is Jesus' instruction? Ask for more workers. And perhaps get busy yourself because we are called to be the hands and the feet. We can ask Jesus to give us his heart of compassion that not only sees the need, but feels the need as well. This is an area that we need to trust the Lord in. And if you find your heart a little bit callous this morning about the needs of so many around us, as I find my heart from time to time, then we must be honest with ourselves. And we can tell him, Lord, would you please soften my heart? Would you please break my heart with the things that break yours? Do you have bowels of compassion do you feel it and hear when you see hurting people? That's what God wants you to feel. He wants you to see that need. He wants you to feel that need. That's the kind of prayer that God will answer when he says, when we pray to him, God, give me your heart. 
because he wants to produce that kind of compassion in us to see the need, to feel the need. And then guess what? He wants to take it one step further. And you can probably guess where this is going. After seeing the need, after feeling the need, what do we need to do? We must meet the need. Of course, meet the need. Christ wants us to serve those in need. He wants us to do what we can and give what we have so that he can multiply it and fill empty stomachs and empty hearts. That's because it's not enough just to feel sorry for people. It's not enough just to shake our head and say, I hope it works out for them. That sorrow should lead us to service or it doesn't do anybody any good. A man was telling his wife about passing a woman in a downpour of rain one morning. She had a flat tire and was standing along the side of the road, helpless. I thought to myself, said the man, how awful it is that people, not, uh, that people aren't helping such a poor woman. And I would have stopped if I were, weren't on my way to work. You know, that's the kind of compassion so often that we have. Oh, that's not a good situation. Somebody should do something about that. But that's a meaningless compassion. Instead, Jesus calls us to a compassion that compels us to stop and help, to do what we can and to give what we have to meet the need. And that's what the uh, that Jesus was asking of his disciples here in Mark 8. Let's, let's look at that in verse 4. Jesus talks about the problem, right? These people, they're hungry. And I, I don't want to send them home. And what's the disciples' answer in verse 4? His disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with, excuse me, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? In other words, what are they saying? Lord, we can't do it. We don't have the resources. Who are they with? They're with the Lord of the resources. Lord, I don't know what to do. But Jesus won't take no for an answer. Look at verse 5. And so Jesus asked them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. All they had were seven loaves. We might today just call them like seven rolls, like a dinner roll. That's what they had. Not much. Seven rolls to split between the, the 12 of them and Jesus. That's about a half a roll each. Wasn't much. It was their lunch. It was what they'd saved so that they could eat in that remote place after this great crowd left. Well, that's what Jesus asked them for. What do you have? Seven loaves? Their last bit of food. And what does he do with it? Look at verses 6 through 10. And Jesus directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves. And having given thanks, he broke them and he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd and they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people. And he sent them away and immediately got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmantha. And so Jesus took what they had 
and he multiplied it to feed the thousands. The parallel account that Matthew has talks about the idea that the number of those who ate was 4,000 besides women and children. So this is a huge crowd. Jesus took that little bit of bread and he fed it to 4,000 men and their wives and their children, maybe 8,000, maybe 12,000, maybe more. The point is, Jesus asks us to do the same thing. What we have for our own needs. Jesus says, what do you have? Give it to me. He asks us to give what we have so that he can use it to meet the needs of many. And we look at the needs of the world today. The needs of this nation, the needs of this community, the needs just here in our local neighborhood. And there are many, many more needs than we could ever meet. There's more to do than we could ever know how to do. And yes, there are always more questions than there are answers. It's way beyond what any of us could do on our own. In fact, it's impossible without Christ. On our own, we rarely see the need. Most of the time, we don't feel the need, much less meet the need. But Jesus wants to do it all through us if we let him, if we give him what we have. Like he asked these original disciples 2,000 years ago, Jesus asks us the same question today. What do you have? What do you have? What, are your, what, what time do you have? What talents, what skills and abilities do you have? What finances do you have? What tools do you have? What resources do you have? And then Jesus says, let me have it. So that I can use it to meet the needs of many. You see, hard times are not a time for Christian people to be stingy or judgmental or callous. They're a time for us to be generous so that Jesus himself can be glorified in our midst. But so often, you know what? We ask, hey, hey what about my needs, Lord? What about my needs? Well, did you, did you catch in the story what Jesus did for the disciples? They gave him how many rolls? How many little pieces of bread? Seven. Fed that giant crowd. And after they were finished eating, everybody was satisfied. The disciples picked up how many baskets of leftovers? Seven. They went from seven rolls to seven baskets. You know, it hadn't been that long ago that these very same disciples watched as Jesus had fed an even larger crowd of 5,000 men plus women and children with just five rolls and two fish, one little boy's lunch. And from that meal, they picked up 12 leftover baskets. And yet here they are, not very long later, in the same predicament. We don't know what to do, Lord, out here in the wilderness. Where are we going to get bread to feed all these people? And lo and behold, they end up with seven baskets left over. By the way, that word for basket, it means large basket. It's a very specific word. It means a large basket. In Acts 9, it's used where it talks about where they lowered a man over the wall in a basket. So I want you to picture baskets big enough to hold a person a full-grown man, and they are filled with leftovers. 
That is what Jesus does for us. He meets our needs. When we give him what we have, he makes sure in return that we're taken care of with enough and usually more than enough for our own needs. But the point is, when we see the need and feel the need and then meet the need, that's what Jesus calls us to, then guess what? Jesus provides what we need. That's his promise. He provides the essentials, sometimes just enough and sometimes much, much more than enough to meet our needs. Here's just a a few passages to remind us of that. These are familiar verses that you're going to know. Matthew 6, 33, Jesus says, Seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness and all these things, he's talking about our food and our clothing, will be given to you as well. Seek first him and he takes care of the rest. In Luke 6, 38, Jesus says, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over when we give. Jesus, in return, blesses us. In 2 Corinthians 9, the Apostle Paul reminds us, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. There's the model for being generous for meeting needs. The Bible is very clear. When we take care of the people that are on God's heart, he takes care of us. So the question is, what will we do this morning? How will we respond to this call for compassion? Because compassion matters. Will we trust Jesus enough to reach out in love to someone today because we see And we feel and we desire to meet that need. Lord, Lord, please soften my heart. Would you please break my heart with the things that break yours? I believe that if we as a church will make this our sincere prayer, then there's no telling what God will do with us and through us in the weeks and the months ahead. For God loves to do, as the Apostle Paul reminds us, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. That's the God that we serve. The God that calls us to serve others so that he can work through us to be a blessing. Let's pray together. Father God, we are so grateful. Grateful, Lord, that you meet our needs. Lord, grateful that we know you as your children. Father, we are grateful that we have been called into your eternal kingdom, into your family, into your flock, into your body. Lord, you have grafted us in and you've put us here. Lord, you've placed us in this location at Garden Way Church in Eugene, Oregon. Lord, here we are. Lord, help us to see the needs. Lord, help us to feel like you feel. And Lord, help us to, in obedience, meet the needs. Lord, we thank you that your promise is that you provide us with all that we need. 
All you ask is that we serve others. Lord, help us to clearly see the people in our lives that we might serve, whether they be individuals that each one of us come into contact with, whether it be a situation or people in this community that this church together can impact. Lord, help us to see and feel and meet the needs. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as we close up the message time this morning, each week when I prepare this insert where you can take notes. By the way, these are at the front door when you come in. You can always pick these up. But each week, I, I usually have two or three questions down at the bottom. There'll, there'll be some sort of an application question. And I don't always mention these, so I don't know how often you see them or not. But today, I, I want to just challenge us with these, these three questions as we close up. What can you learn from Jesus's attitude and actions toward the crowd that followed him? What, what can you learn? And secondly, how does God work in your past? Has God, how does God's work in your past encourage you to trust him with your future? Has God been faithful to you? Has he done that? If, you, if you've experienced that, then you expect that he will continue to do that as you see and feel and meet needs. And then finally, what steps can you take to become a more compassionate person? So those are just some, some personal application questions that I wanna challenge you to think through this week. Not just think through, but then formulate some steps of action. Who is God bringing into your life that you can serve? What needs do you observe that you can meet? Don't just tell somebody else, hey, do you know there's a need over there? How about you meet it? How about you meet it? What can you do? What can you do to meet the needs? How can you invite others that you know to help you meet needs? If we were all busy about that, seeing things that way, imagine what God could do through this body. So that's our challenge today. See the need, feel the need, meet the need. May God bless us. Let's stand together as we close with a final song. This is a newer take on... John 3.16, isn't it?